relationship as the ability to um, observe and appreciate uh, um, the person's state of being as well as what they're doing. So that's the definition of um, relationship that we're working in, which is different and unique from a person just simply um, seeing what a person, another person does and then making up a story about what that other person is like or what they're doing or why they're doing it. It's making up a story about it. Then what you've got is a complete psychology. The, the listener's psychology is, dominates the entire situation so that their action comes out of their projections and their assumptions and their story rather than having the action come out of their listening. And what we're look, what this is actually doing is creating a training for people so that people's actions come out of their listening. So, yeah, the question is really who do you need to be for something to happen rather than what do you need to do. So that's, that's kind of the background of this. MJ, when you're transcribing the tape, We're not looking for a word-for-word -word transcription. Mm -hmm. We're looking more for a, um, the intention or the, the you know, the, the format is a, is a trainer handbook. So don't leave pieces out and don't make incomplete sentences. Or we're looking for complete sentences and as, as, as formatted as you can make it without having it be too much extra work. So don't get caught in that, but still make it nice, as nice as you can. Because we'll say ums and uhs, and I'll make mistakes, and if, if, I, if I correct myself, then don't leave the original in there. Go back, get rid of the okay. part, yeah. and, and put the new thing in. We're looking for clarity, succinctness, completeness. So it's not worth your work? No. Right. no. It helps me too, so then I don't have to go through all that. So, um, so there's a, of course, a, a short introduction about who Porna is and who his team is. They're working with him, and the purpose of the four-hour module, five-hour module, and the behind it, what's, what's going to happen. So there's an introduction about that. And then um, a little bit about how the module will work. And one of the modules, one of the ways that this module will work is like we... So what I want, Judy, what I'd like you guys to do is um, ask questions or if, even if I say something that I'm, I'm not complete in or like if you have an idea about something that's you know say it okay because uh, we're not going to sell the tape you don't have to worry whether you're speaking high or low it doesn't matter it's just really the only one so MJ okay. the thing is when you're transcribing this tape in the 
middle of the training, we don't want you to start laughing out loud. <laughs> so part of your part of your exercise here is to not laugh out loud when you transcribe the tape. <laughs> you understand that? I do. Yeah, if you laugh out loud, it's wiped out. You don't know it. Well, with the whole room, you're going to be in the room transcribing this tape with us. You'll be in the room typing at this. Oh, I will. Yes. Okay. The entire time that we're there. I see what you're saying, really. So if you start laughing out loud, everybody's going to come over. Sixty people are going to come over. And look, <laughs> look over your shoulder. Say? What did she say? It's more interesting what she's doing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So no, right. you can start going. <laughs> if you start doing that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to stop what you're doing. I'll stop. And come over I'm going to come over and say, okay, what did she say? Well, where is, it, where is the computer? Is, are they going to have one there for us? The computer's in my bag. So life used to be simple before there were computers. <laughs> Did. Back in the fifth, life used I to be simple. Life was simple. I was, when I was driving up here, life is simple without cars, too. Uh-huh. If I didn't know how to drive, my life would be simple. Like that. Mm -hmm. So part of the... So, um, Kirsten, just if you remember from Camp 2, it, were, were you at Creation Day? Yeah. Okay. So if you remember there was part of the setup, part of the setup is that when we're doing these, facilitating these processes, uh -huh. when we're going through exercises, we're putting out new ideas, what you, we want you to participate by speaking. Uh -huh. And what you say is what you get when you get something. You go, oh, I just got that. You know this. Are you talking about the training or yeah. about um, Ernst and Young training, or what are you talking about right now? Right. This is what I want MJ to write down as a setup for the um, context. It's not the context; it's another word. It's like this, the um, the basis of the training or the structure of the training. It's the way people relate to the trainer or each other. We want people to speak out when they get something and also when they don't get something. Mm -hmm. So I'd like you to also do that when oh. we're having this talk here. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So it's a way of, it's sort of a dialogue. It's, it's a way of clarity. Yeah, it's we're creating it together, creating clarity together. So like I, I can say an idea, but I can say it one way and then you might not get it, you can say, I don't get it, so I can say the same idea a different way, or somebody else can say the same idea a different way, mm -hmm. and that will help everybody else get it, because you've heard the same idea two or three different ways, right. and it, with a story behind it then, and then it has some context and lands in the body and stays there, rather than, you know, what is, is. Yeah, like, I noticed that when I'm transcribing, that things can be said in different ways, and, and it can be clarified mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, so. so that's your guys' job here, okay? okay. okay. Can, we, can we turn that seat around? Yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just swivel it around. You, just, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> There's a little lever right there in between your legs. No, it's okay. Even if you're facing forward, we can hear you, I think. You yeah. Can speak up, yeah. Okay, so we all speak up. And I've got plenty of tapes and batteries. Now we have four hours of driving to do so. And I only have seven pages of notes, so we're going to have to really... You drive fast or slow. <laughs> but remember, I'm going to be transcribing this, so... Yeah, but you can skip all this part. You can just I sit know. there and meditate while we're jabbering yeah, but on. But time's going by while I'm listening to it. But we have three days to transcribe the tape. Mm, okay. But you have to format it, too, into a training manual. And into an article. Sure. We'll have other things for you to do 
stick up posters and help organize chairs and get people together. Yes, thank you. That's my name, you know. Clinton. Yes. So Clinton is a short form of Clinton? Yes, it is. So life used to be simple. And the problems used to be solved simply. And, and <clears throat> the just making the effort to do a linear solution to a problem was way more than enough. So that um, the, the shortest, most direct distance between point A and point B was a straight line. And that was a radical breakthrough for, for um, industry and for um, the social conventions and culture and the whole thing. The, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That was remarkable. It produced a lot of fantastic results. Well, <clears throat> either the human mind or the human psychology or our culture has evolved and continued to evolve since the 50s when this used to work into the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and where the rate of change has changed so drastically that we're now um, needing to develop and function in an entirely new that um, approaches situations from a, um, a completely new context that is the context of changing change, of, of a rate of change that changes. That's a, it's an entirely different um, regard or relationship to business and for example the many of the courses that people are studying at the university are completely irrelevant and outmoded even right now uh, because they're old technology and the content that the, that the professors are speaking about is um, it's irrelevant it's you can buy it on a CD and, and, and you know bring it up on your screen and there's no reason to bother with it. Wait, there's, like, the modality of learning needs to be about approach and process and system and um, relationship and um, <clears throat> effectiveness or leveraging or multiplicity or, you know, I could start making up words, but it's, it's a uh, that's the, that's the kind of thing that's needed and wanted now, rather than the old-fashioned um, linear point A to point B, logical, reasonable, step-by-step, problem-solving capacity. I'm not saying that stuff is bad or wrong. I'm just saying that that's old. It's a it's an old technology. There's an entirely new technology that's necessary now. It's needed and wanted, and that this training is about that. This training is about the new technology. So it's, a, it's this is a training in being non-linear, which means that it's a training in accessing 
a vast or unlimited source of possibilities that um, that is actually readily available to every human being um, if they're using the appropriate models that give them access to that. So, <clears throat> let me see if I get into that part here. I drew a diagram up on one of the paper. The first paper is there's a, as you can see here on the left side of the paper, there's a point A, and on the right side of the paper is a point B. And the linear solution is the shortest distance between two points is this straight line. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, well, if, I mean, everybody can see that this is the shortest distance between these two points, is that's the straight line. So how could there be a shorter distance? How could you have a more effective and more efficient solution to this than going from point A to B. I mean, how could that be? It's, it's an impossibility. You're faced with something that's illogical and unreasonable and impossible. And um, one, one thing, if you just sit here and think about it, if you go like this, you um, start at point A, and instead of going to the right towards point B, you go to the left, off the paper. And then mm -hmm. you come in from the right side of the paper, and you're at point B, and the distance, this plus this, is way less than this. Huh. It's a non-linear answer huh. to the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay? So then, okay, well, that's only one. You go, come on. There's another one? Yes, here's another one. Right. From point A, like here, you go to point C, which is right above point A. Point C also happens to be right above point B. It's the same point. Uh -huh. Point C and point C is the same point. And so from C to point B is a short distance. So that's very short. Point A to C and point C to B. You put those two together and those are very short distances compared to this. What about moving point A or point B? <coughs> point is that possible a to move? Well, point A is where point, is where point A is and point B is where point okay. B is. But if you go to point C, you can go you know, point C, you go mm -hmm. like this. So that's where point C is. C is right like that. Mm -hmm. C is on top. So even though point A and point B are the same distance away from each other, mm -hmm. point C is really, un, you know, in a third dimension or something. It's like that. You could, do you understand? You could, point C, Not really. is, point C is right here. If you took a pencil and put it right through the paper, you'd see that point C oh, and point so C it's is on the a same different... point. Okay. It's in a different plane. Yeah. Okay. A different dimension. So. So, so you put the can't point through the paper. Yeah. Right. right through the paper. That's point C. And we're just looking at both sides of point C. Could you put A and B together like that? And just get right to point B yeah. that quickly? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what you say? What was her question? Well, you she, just, she said you, you could just, just take the paper fold and put A on top of point B. That's the shortest Then you're there. So, like, for example, if you're in a problem situation, let's say you're in a problem situation, and you're going, well, how do we solve this problem? Well, the answer, MJ's answer is, there is no problem. That's how you solve the problem, is you redefine the situation so that there is no problem. So that's what she just did. Like, that's the nonlinear approach. And the, the thing is that, um, 
you can't, there's no formula for accessing nonlinearity. There is no formula. Um, you know, you, there was a formula when you put the square peg in the square hole and the round peg in the round hole, and you had the problem solved, voila, you know, the problem is handled. But we have become more complex. And as a result, we have created more complex problems for ourselves because we need them to continue to evolve. So this is kind of philosophy right now, but um, the truth is that there, we create the problems for ourselves. Like, prob there, the truth is, really there is no problem. The truth is that um, a problem is a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation that we create about the situation. And we go, oh, there's a problem, and they can go on and on about what the problem is, but the, really there is no problem unless we're creating the problem by talking about it and speaking it. We have it to have existence. problems. Yeah. In fact, um, there's a, a great quote that I like. It's, um, the statement is, there is no enemy. We are all martyrs to evolution. So the purpose of more complex problems is to is evolution. So um, this this is a um, this training is about is a response to the demands of evolution. It's a this is an evolutionary training. It's a um, a non nonlinear uh, unreasonable evolutionary training. Is it called quantum? It's a quantum leap training. What that means is um, you come out functioning using a different set of models. So I'll, I'll say this too. Um, the hardware that we have is perfectly functional in terms of our brain, our body, our senses, our eyes, our ears, you know, our intelligence, our language. That our hardware is completely functional and fine. There's, there's no need or necessity to um, fool with the hardware. We don't need extra alpha generators or brain-mind coordinators or any, we don't need any technology to work with our body or our mind. That's all fine. What, we, what this training is about is about a new set of software. It's like taking out your um, you know, old program and putting in a new program. And when, you know, I've, I've done that before in, in this machine that I thought that I could just use for word processing now has this, you know, complex graphic displays with, um, you know, games and artwork and all this stuff. And it all is comes from the new software. It has multiple dimensions to, to my capacities and abilities simply by adding new software to the machine. So that's what we're doing here. We're going to provide some new ideas and models and um, some terminology, ways to speak about things and work with things, concepts that uh, facilitate our ability to think and regard and relate to other people and ourselves and the world um, that give us a greater capacity. So that that's what this training is. So, well, one way that you and probably a few other people look at situations, we look at them as problems and you look at them as just circumstances that, that you just 
circumvent and just do something different with like putting A and B together. Uh -huh. So if we could change our minds about something being a problem, we could solve it like that. Yes. Do you know what you get when you solve a problem? A solution and another problem. Another problem. Yeah. As soon as yeah. you, it's been my experience that as soon as you handle the problems at one level, you get just bumped to the next level. And every time you go up in the computer game, you know every level is more, is quicker, more dangerous. Um, you have to be smarter. You know it's more sophisticated, more complex. And that's and you, but you earn that. You have to work hard and earn that to get to the next level. So actually, there's a one of the, the one of the goals is to be defeated by greater and greater problems. Wait, one of the goals is to be defeated. Yeah. By greater and greater. You know. You're always defeated by problems until you handle them. And as soon as you handle them, then you're bumped to the next level where you're defeated by new problems. It goes back to what you said in the beginning about life used to be easy. Uh -huh. It just keeps getting more and more. Right. But actually, what I'm speaking about right now is from the second, okay. it's really from the second Infinite Solutions training, which is called Possibility. And I want to, no, this, so just to let you know. That's from what we're what we're speaking here is not from the Infinite Solutions series, though it is the Infinite Solutions material. So that Judy, there's three. You know that now. There's three Infinite Solutions trainings. The first one is called Clarity. This is Clarity training. The first one we're delivering tomorrow, the next few days. The next Infinite Solutions training is called Possibility training, and the third one is called Infinite Solutions. So. We're delivering the clarity training. But the, what I was just speaking about, all this stuff about problems comes from the possibility training. The straightforward linear logical answers have all been discovered. We have jumped to a new level of sophistication and so have our problems. It's actually the other way around. Well, maybe not. No, it's not the other way around. So, so you don't have to put all that stuff in there. You can just sit there and listen to this. It's great. Complex problems require nonlinear approaches. So there can be no formula for solving nonlinear problems. We must develop a new capacity or new capacities. And the capacity that we need to develop is the, is the capacity to create. Can you say that again? I yeah. didn't get that when whole we're part. Simply nonlinear problems. What uh, are nonlinear problems? So a nonlinear problem is a problem that's too complex to be solved using linear step-by-step -step normal A, B, C, D mm -hmm. approaches. So a nonlinear problem would be um, in these days, it would be just simply uh, making a profitable company in mm -hmm. a market that is changing all the time and highly educated and um, using internet now. And um, there's a lot of competition and the production technology. You know, people are now producing items that are. Um, 
they don't even have inventory anymore. People are not even keeping inventory anymore, mm -hmm. which is just a, a radical, it's a, it's a totally nonlinear approach to the situation, but they had so much capital invested in, in, in you know, inventory, just storing inventory. And, um, they don't you, don't, you know what I mean by inventory? Just uh -huh. stock in the warehouse. Just, they don't do, no, they don't do it anymore. They, they have made production capacities so quick now that they, when somebody sells something, it's not even made yet. So you, and sometimes it isn't even designed yet, it isn't even produced yet. So you sell something and then you build it. So it's like you sell something and then you, then you build it and sell it. So it's, there's a term for that, I don't remember the term right now. Do you know, Judy? No. Yeah, there's a term right now, it's just a, there's a lot of, I haven't heard of that. Huh? Yeah, if you read through a business magazine, a, a, a cutting edge business, business magazine, like I hadn't read one in a year or something, and I read one a month or so ago, and it blew my mind because they were speaking an entirely different language. Just mm -hmm. completely new words, and they're perfectly understandable. They're perfectly clear, but it's, a, it's an entirely new language that people are speaking with each other because of all the the new evolution in, in business te business techniques, business ways of doing business. But that the way that Walmart's made their fortune because they they you know. But Two days worth of merchandise is all they hold in the store at one time because it's just shipped there constantly. Cuts out the warehouse, the middleman. And they re-merchandise every 30 days, yeah. something like that, to respond to market uh, yeah. needs, yeah. Which is, you know, five years ago or whatever, 10 years ago, before Walmart existed, was a, just that didn't exist. It would, it, people didn't do that. So that's the situation we're dealing with because, because they've got to, they can't stop there. If you stop where you are for a year or two, you've lost. It's the, the because everybody else is continuing to evolve. So it's a very interesting situation. But the, the skill that we need to learn to live in that environment is creating. And it's and it's a the response isn't to understand or control or dominate. It used to be to control or dominate. Then it used to be to understand. You know, and now. It's, um, then it became to learn. So you become a learning organization, that was the thing. Well, now that's even too slow because learning depends on an outside source, depends on a, on a authority figure who knows, somebody who knows, to give you the information on the way to do it or the way it's supposed to be or the way it needs to happen. And then you learn that from them and then and then you're a learning organization. But this, the next phase, the evolutionary phase that's happening now, evolutionary phase, is creating. It's like who you need to be as a creating organism or as a company, you need to be a creating system or a creating thing. So when faced with a complex problem, the non-linear non approach comes when we are willing to step voluntarily into the abyss of I don't know. Which is what you were talking about before, Kirsten. Mm -hmm. About really being willing to be I don't know. Mm -hmm. So there's a diagram that you draw at this point. And the diagram is a, a picture of a human head in silhouette. 
sideways so that what you see is the forehead and the nose and the lips and the chin and then um, there's a ver two vertical lines that separate the front part of the head from the back part of the head. So then you draw, you draw these two vertical lines and then the back part of the head shows the back of the skull and the back of the neck. So you've got um, the, the silhouette outline of a human head with two vertical lines separating the front half from the back half. So in the back half of the head, in the inside of the skull area, you kind of draw a, a bumply circle. And what's that to represent? The brain. And inside of the brain, you write internal conversation. And um, this is a kind of conversation that goes on inside of our heads about ourselves and about other people and about the situation. It's um, the voices are either our own voices or they're other people's voices, but we're having a conversation with ourselves, a conversation with ourselves about uh, everything. So that's called the internal conversation. And then, so you write that in there, and then um, you draw lines that go out of your mouth as if you were speaking. And I lines, uh, two lines out of your eyes as if you were seeing a view. And what you're speaking and seeing and hearing, and um, so you're actually speaking it out and listening back in, is the external conversation. So it's conversations that you have with other people. Other people... Out the eyes? Yeah, from the eyes and from the mouth. You see, okay. you know, you're talking and you're hearing, and you're, what you see is what you want to see. So what you see is, is what the, the um, your external conversation. So there's two conversations going on. There's an external conversation and an internal conversation. And between the two, there is a gap. So the gap is this abyss of I don't know. So, uh, I don't think we actually do the gap exercise at this point, though we could. So we, this might be the point where we could do the gap exercise or not. So let's assume that it is the point where we do this gap exercise and I'll describe the gap exercise. How many of you guys have done the gap? Did you, did you think I think we did it at pop i think i did it yeah in march last year but i don't really remember exactly so you, you you just divide up facing uh put all the chairs people just grab their chairs and line them up they don't they're not lined up they just pair up as buddies men with men women with women and um face your buddy with your chair across from each other and one partner in each pair puts their hand up so they're the partner who's going to speak first. And the other, the other partner's going to listen to them. Now the goal of the person who's speaking is to use every means possible with, uh, to get the other person to laugh. And that, except for tickling, you can't touch the person, no touching. But they do, you can do anything you want. You can move around, make faces, make sounds, words, to make a person laugh. And the other, the other person um, who's listening, what they try to do is to find the place where they don't laugh. And that, that place 
is um, the gap between the inner conversation and the outer conversation. Now we've all had experiences of being in the gap. There are times when you've been, um, for example, playing tennis or skiing or um, uh, being up to bat and hitting a home run or um, uh, painting or um, walking or <laughs> maybe even um, you know, playing ping pong or pool, you know, it's usually a, some kind of uh, dance or yeah, dancing or some kind of activity like that where um, you've been on, 100% on. And what happens is, is you, after you come out of that state of being on, things are perfect and things just flow and everything fits together and it happens, you notice it after you come back out of that state. You go, whoa. You know, it was like things were really good right then, and you notice you notice that that the conversations weren't there. There wasn't an internal conversation. There wasn't an external conversation. What was happening was happening, and you were um, facilitating it, or you were actually making it happen. But it didn't have to do. It wasn't figured out. It wasn't premeditated. So. Have you guys had experiences of being in the gap of that kind of thing that I'm talking about, being on? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Judy? Well, the only thing I could think of was when it was in the play. I don't remember. A play? Yeah, the play that MJ did. Yeah. When you're on stage and you were doing the play and it was just on, you weren't, yeah. things were flowing. It's, all, it's sometimes called the flow. Mm -hmm. Or, so, when... I have that in writing, actually. Writing? Uh -huh. Writing. Yeah, real clear. It just comes right through. Yeah, and you weren't there. When I did you have it? When, when I'm teaching. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you're serving just people. right there. Yeah. Yep. And you, people ask a question, you deliver. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's no space for you to be in there and worry about it. You're just at, at their service, yep. making it happen. Yeah. Yeah, or I had that in the last training. Yeah. Uh -huh. When yeah. you were leading the training, yeah. holding the space. That was obvious. And just enrollment. You know, when you're enrolling people, you have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're creating possibility for others, mm -hmm. clarity and possibility. Yeah. Okay. So, what's in the gap? What do you mean? What's in it? Is what's it in it? Nothing. 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 Great. And everything. What? And everything. Well, what's possible in the gap? Uh, Did you ask what is possible or what is... Can you say it again? Infinite possibilities. Yeah, what did you say, Kirsten? I just wanted to clear the question, but... Yeah, so what's, yeah, what's say it possible? Again. Um, I said everything, so it's nothing and everything. Yeah, nothing's in there and everything's possible, so that's what the gap is. <clears throat> but it's terrifying experience. It's for, for, for our uh, psychology to go, to, to voluntarily step into, I don't know, you know, into nothingness. And at the same time, nothingness is not far away. I mean, if, do you remember the, um, I don't know if you saw the third Indiana Jones movie? called The Last Crusade when uh, Indiana Jones' father, they're in this cave and he, his father's lying on the cave floor 
dying from a gunshot wound. And Indiana Jones has no choice but to solve the puzzles of getting through the traps and the labyrinth to the Holy Grail in order to bring um, the cup back filled with holy water to save his father's life. And at one point he's faced with a bottomless abyss with no visible way across. He can't jump to the other side. And there's no nothing he can use to help him do that. He's got no time and he's got to get from one side to the other and the invitation or the instructions are to step out into the nothing. And he does. It's like that. Stepping out into the nothing there, you know, stepping into the nothingness is a um, non-linear action. It's completely unreasonable. There's, it's, there's no precedent. It, there is no way that that action can be made comfortable. It is an uncomfortable um, act, and it is an act in, that's derived from, you know, it comes from willpower. It comes from a decision, or it comes from, uh, it has to be conscious. It's a conscious act. If You can't do that move unconsciously, or else it's like an accident, you know what I mean? It's like you can't step into nothingness unless it's on purpose and then at that moment you know the maximum risk you know how big the risk is it's a total risk because you know we're so trained to uh, to um, dominate and control situations or at least to understand situations or at least to learn about situations but to walk into into the situation where we're completely out of control and totally responsible at the same time is um, not reasonable. But that's what the invitation is. So there's no formula for being, uh, for functioning in the nothingness. There's no formula for that. There's no formula for creating. But it's the same situation as the metaphor of a glass of water. It's like if you've got old water in the glass, or if you've got old whatever, old something in the glass, you can't, um, you've got to empty the glass first before something new can show up in the glass. So the stepping into the nothing is the, is the emptying process where you're voluntarily um, Placing yourself in a situation where you vanish. Finding a more elegant, efficient, effective, sophisticated result can no longer come from problem-solving techniques. It must come from creating. We can no longer get away with 
being problem solvers. We must become creators. Not only that, but it is no longer sufficient for us to train and coach and mentor problem solving. We must be able to train and coach and mentor non-linear creation. So do you understand that? That's our job. How do you, if there's no formula, how do you teach someone how to do that? Great. That's what this training is about. Okay. So keep that question in your mind and right. keep asking it. Okay. Because that's... There's no formula and, and I'm thinking maybe someday there will be a formula. Well, see there is no formula but there are some conditions which make it conducive or make it possible. So there's no formula but you can't create possibility for that. So we're talking about a shift in our capacities which only results from a shift in who we conceive ourselves to be. So a result, a shift in our capacities results from a shift in who we experience ourselves to be. We find Finding more elegant, sophisticated, complex solutions and approaches can only show up for us on the other side of a non-linear expansion process. So do you understand that? Um, I'm just—I'm wondering about the other side. So what is the other side? Is that—is that the place of? After you have shifted? Or yes. <clears throat> it's the other, so new results can only show up after we've shifted. Okay. okay. So that's called a nonlinear expansion process. Let me ask this question because it's yeah. coming up for me. Yeah. So if, if every time we solve a problem, uh -huh. we, get a, we get a bigger problem. Yes. And, and every time we come to this place where we don't know, we have to step into the I don't know. Yes. And it's always uncomfortable and scary. Uh-huh. We don't want to go there. Well, that's, okay, it's always uncomfortable and scary. Okay. And, okay, but it's uncomfortable and scary. So, I don't see that that ever changes. Because how can, okay, because if it gets bigger each time. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you're just never going to get comfortable with it's always going to be evolving into a bigger problem. That's correct. It's never going to get comfortable. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, so much of our psychology wants it to be comfortable. Yeah. Well, but also, we're not comfortable anyway. You know, well, life is just not comfortable. Right. So why not be creating? Yeah, I think... Well, life can be very comfortable, but it's really but a choice if, it, if you're doing that actually, or not. Huh? Actually, life is not, you know, it's, it's not comfortable. It's, comfortable it's painful. It's life painful. is painful, painful. and you're going to die. Why not be creating and, and... I mean, for me now, it's uncomfortable when I'm not creating. Right. Okay, I've got another question. Okay. Uh -huh. If you are creating... Are you energized by the creating, or do you not feel that energy until you get on the other side of it? You go, wow, what I just did. Well, what do you think? 
well, my experience is that it's not, I, I don't really realize I'm creating until I go, oh, wow. Okay, you'll like what we're going to get into next. <laughs> okay. <then. laughs> but remember that question, okay? Okay. Because, um, um, for many people, myself included, um, the, the process of creating is an experience that I experience is really the same experience as being in love. It's like it's a constant state of being in love. When I'm creating, it's like that. Mm -hmm. I can see. Even yeah, when you're up against something too. you don't know what you're doing. But it's only. It's I always am up against something I don't know what I'm doing. You're not creating if you know what you're doing. Exactly. You're also not creating if you're not scared. Okay. That's an indicator to tell you. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So can you flip, can you stand here on a skinny line and not know? Or, okay. I'm walking down this line, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm not clear about whether I'm creating or not, so I can get in chaos, uh -huh. total chaos, and be so unsure of what I'm doing. Okay, and so that comes from having more confidence, or something you said while ago. Mm. You said while ago, I don't know if it was confidence, but it was something. Well, there's two things. One is, one of the... One of the 18 standard psychological defenses is confusion. Okay. So if you're going to, if you're functioning in confusion, that's different from I don't know. Confusion is different from I don't know. So the distinction is, is um, in I don't know, there's possibility, and in confusion, there's no possibility. Confusion is a strategic defense for keeping things the same, and I don't know is an openness to um, change. I don't feel like I have to ask that question right, but keep talking. To yeah, you, so the other one, the other thing is... Yeah, that's our psychology is totally wants to do that. Exactly. Yeah, we want to be in control. So that you won't be scared and you won't be you won't look bad <laughs> and you won't, you know, look like you don't know what you're doing. Or when I'm actually creating for me, like those are the most satisfying moments. I don't ever want it to end, but it's you know, if I don't recreate that or if I don't create again and again and again then will end but those moments I, I mean I can totally relate to that what you're saying I don't want to get out of that <laughs> I'm going to flip the tape over so hold on a second and that's what um, the way to nano manage a situation is to use conversation technology 